Hi, I'm Hannah. And I'm Sarah. And this is Big Small Talk. This is the podcast where we try and cover the entirety of the news cycle from the serious to the frivolous all in one place. Because loving pop culture doesn't mean you don't understand politics. And today we're going to talk about the Grammys, private schools going co-ed, Universal pulling music from TikTok, Georgie Purcell Photoshop and Jacob Elordi in fisticuffs. But first, we would like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we're recording today, the Gadigal people, and pay our respects to elders past and present. But before we get into the actual news, Hannah, what is your personal headline of the week? Surely you go first for once. It's your birthday, Queen. (laughs) (laughs) It is my birthday today, which is actually, this is really fun to be in here. Last night, I was actually laying awake. I wasn't working on the podcast prep. I was like, it's Sarah's birthday. I had to get up half an hour earlier to go and get flowers and some baked goods for Sarah. Then I picked Sarah up. And I was like, I feel like the pressure's on. I've got to like... You've given me like princess treatment this morning. You know (laughs) what? Women have to give other women princess treatment. Like it's important. so nice. My passenger princess. But like, how was your day? How was your weekend? It was good. It was good. I had a few girls over on Friday and had some drinks, which you were at. You hadn't met so many of my friends. It was almost like a meet and greet for Hannah. They were all desperate to meet you. It was was, so funny. It was really funny because like my friends were like, are you a bit stressed? Because you don't really know anyone at this party. And I was like, but I do, don't I? Because I'm going to turn up and they're going to be like, I'm very familiar with your face. It's no. always on my Instagram. It was so funny. Like I'd have friends come up to me. And they'd almost like tug my arm and be like, I haven't met Hannah yet. Oh, really <laughs> I would be nice. like, okay, I'll, I'll come introduce you. You're like a little celebrity it there. Was, it was really nice. And they was, everyone was so lovely. It was such a nice environment to be in. I spent like two hours with your mom. Yeah. My bestie, my, my bestie. is obsessed with you. Uh, <laughs> so I had no. a great time. It's my personal line of the week too. Oh, no, it was really fun. But I did have this like terrifying impending doom existential crisis thing about being not in my only 20s anymore ah yes scary it must be 26 is not a hot age like that's I know that sounds ridiculous because I'm not saying I'm old but I'm saying there are old sounding ages like 26 sounds old but like 27 you have your whole life ahead of you you know what I mean I get it oh like like even like 24, so young, right? But 23 but is a bad 23 age. 23 Yes, is I old. agree on like, that. I don't know how to explain the maths behind it, but mm. 26 is like not a cute year for me. But also, I heard this like terrifying fact. Not fact. <laughs> it is a fact. <laughs> but like someone was like, you're actually really entering your 27th year of life because the way like we start at zero, then turn one. Like you're kind of think you're a year ahead of what you think you are. Isn't what? that scary? In Korea, they started at one so that you know for sure. But here, you get confused. And I'm actually 27 if I think about it. You're being one ridiculous, two disrespectful. <laughs> to everyone listening who's just trying to go about their day and enjoy it with yeah, this, this fucked information that you're talking about. I know. It's a, it's actually, I was mad that I had to hear that. And I think everyone should go down with me on that. I think I can't wait for the response we're going to get to this, which are going to be aggressive and loud, I feel. And I can't wait for them. Happy birthday, bitch. <laughs> Well, it's Sarah's birthday. That's the personal headline. Let's get into the real news. Let's get into it. Despite this being one of the most eventful Grammys in years, Taylor Swift has again managed to secure all major headlines by breaking records and using her acceptance speech to announce a new album. Again, when will she stop being a headline machine? She works so hard. Can't make this up. 
don't come at me. The problem is no one's fighting you on this. I mean, I feel like there's listeners who are like, I'm annoyed by this, but I'm sitting here going, tell me more, Sarah, every single week. I know. We get the odd message that's like, do you have to talk about Taylor Swift so much? And it's like, when she stops yeah, providing, serving. when she stops serving, yeah. I'll stop talking. Okay. First off, Taylor Swift arrives at the Grammys in this like white full length outfit. And at first I'm confused because I was expecting like an all black number or snakeskin or something because of course for months and months and months we've all been predicting that at the Grammys she would announce Reputation Taylor's version. I thought maybe she would like take this as an opportunity to whip out like a Roberto Cavalli vintage dress. Now for anyone who doesn't know that, that's like... Thank God you said that. Yeah. (laughs) Roberto Cavalli does these, like, I don't really love their recent stuff. He's a designer, but his vintage stuff is all, like, known for being really beautiful, sexy. He does a lot of, like, snake gold detailing in his dresses, and I thought, this makes sense. Yep. What an obvious choice. And I thought, finally, we would get a serve You know Taylor so many Swift. things, yeah. I, but no. But no. <laughs> but no. I mean, it's okay that she's not a style icon. She's given us so many other things. Who am I to, like, demand more from her? But, like, but maybe it's a personal tasting. Some people might think... It's amazing. I love Taylor. And that's why I'm like, what the fuck? But I will say, I saw a TikTok last night, woman saying it's actually likely purposeful because she retains an element of relatable girl next door vibe by having having an inherent failure to slay. Mm. So by dressing herself and looking like herself and looking like she's made choices for herself, even though she definitely hasn't, and she definitely has a team dressing her, she has something she's not excelling in and it makes her more palatable for the general public. And I think that's a really interesting take. It's a good theory. Mm. I also think her her outfits are almost more so driven by Easter eggs and, like, trying to convey a message. You can slay and also have a message. The watch Mm. around her neck. Yes, so she wore a watch around her neck that was set to midnight like a choker and everyone was just confused but it was enough that people were like okay this could still be a reputation announcement yes okay so everyone was still on board also we had other reasons to suspect that there was going to be an announcement tonight as just before this her profile picture changed to black and white Mm -hmm. and I think we did say this on the pod but a few weeks before that all of her friends changed their profile pictures to black and white and then her official website went down And then the insane Swifties then went and coded it and realised that that was intentional. That wasn't like an actual glitch. So everyone was like, something's coming. And then one of the Swifties who had like decoded it made a post about it. And then Taylor Nation, like the official page, liked that tweet. Then, while accepting the Grammy for Best Pop Album for Midnight's, she said... I know that the way that the Recording Academy voted is a direct reflection of the passion of the fans, so I want to say thank you to all my fans by telling you a secret that I've been keeping from you for the last two years, which is that my brand new album comes out April 19th. It's called The Tortured Poets Department. I'm going to go and post the cover right now backstage. Not Reputation TV, a brand new album. You were so funny about it when she announced it and it panned to the audience and all the celebrities like were doing these like kind of grimace smiles. Bad. But isn't it bad etiquette to do what she did? <sighs> Some people were like it wasn't the time and place for it. Yeah. I don't know. As someone who's not a Grammy Award winner or attendee, I don't know either. I don't I don't know, but I just thought it was funny. Like you could see people that like all these people probably have their own albums coming out or like whatever it is. And they're like, and they're all no, like, oh, she's gonna fucking sake. dominate <laughs> again this fucking <laughs> I just thought it was so funny. And then she did go and post the cover. It's this like stunning 
black and white, very moody. It's giving very much like folklore meets midnights. And then in the next post, she teased some handwritten lyrics from it. I think they're lyrics, but it said, And so I enter into evidence my tarnished coat of arms, my muses acquired like bruises, my talismans and charms, the tick, tick, tick of love bombs, my veins in pitch black ink. And then below the writing, she has... All is fair in love and poetry. Sincerely, the chairman of the tortured poets department. Can I say something here? You may. I love that you raised your hand. I just want to make sure that you're okay with me because I know there's a lot of Taylor Swift. I just want to – I love her. I know that this album is going to be my Spotify rap, but can we just step back for a second from our fandom and say – that is cringe as fuck. <laughs> like, oh, you know what? Like, that is so lame. Like, that is 12-year-old on Tumblr who thinks they've had a heartbreak because the boy didn't hug them at school at the bus stop that day. Oh, it, but that is why I love Taylor I Swift. I know, because she's reaching something. But I read that and I go, how is this the biggest ass in the world? Because all the people in the crowd are probably like, oh, fuck, here we go. I love her so deeply, would die for her. That sucks. I no, I love the drama. I am a folklore fan. Same. I'm a fo- I die. folklore and reputation are my two big. If this album comes out and it's like pop synth, I will rage. It won't be. It's gonna be Tortured Bride. It's gonna be the Joe <laughs> Alwyn Joe Alwyn breakup album, definitely. Well, what we know is that it has 16 songs plus a bonus track, which is called The Manuscripts. And I personally have just never been so excited to be depressed. <laughs> Although I am going to be pissed if, like, one of the songs is, like, a 10 out of 10, my new favourite song, and I didn't get to see it live as at the Eras Tour as a surprise song. It's okay. But also, like, when the fuck is Reputation TV being announced then? There's lots of hints coming out about that. That'll be this year sometime. Surely. And the other thing that I think is really funny about this is that I obviously think this album's going to be a huge breakup album. Mm-hmm. Even though she said two years ago, I think it's going to be like the very tail end of her and Joe Alwyn's that is, that is relationship. That. And I, so I think it's going to be like you're losing me extended version. Champagne really. problems vibes. Right. Yeah. And I think she's definitely hinted towards that. I was looking at like April 19th and April 19th was also the day that all of Taylor Swift's friends mass unfollowed Joe Alwyn. Blake Lively. Ryan after Reynolds, they, they were at dinner. After they went for dinner. And the other thing that's funny about that is it was the the beginning of the American Revolution against the British, mm-hmm. which is quite funny with Joe being British. What the fuck? And, and it's like something like National Poetry Day or something like that as well. So I think it's a very pointed message. And the other thing that everyone's going wild over, and I think it's a bit of a reach, but it's still funny. And I don't put it past Taylor because she is a bit psycho like that. But in an old interview off Joe Alwyn, he sat down with Paul Mescal, who's like normal people hottie. And (laughs) he was talking to Paul and they revealed that him and Andrew Scott, who's the hot priest in Fleabag, have a group chat together called the Tortured Man Club. So Taylor's ex. Paul Mescal is Phoebe Bridges' ex as well. Oh, I didn't. Oh, yes, of course. And yeah. yeah. And they, so they had this group chat called the Tortured Man Club, which is hilarious when hers is called the Tortured Poets Department. I'm sick. Do I think it's a reach? Kind of, but also. Brilliant. I would believe it. Okay, we've gone off track. Back to the Grammys. Also send me back to Taylor because Taylor did win Album of the Year. This is the fourth time she's won, which is a new record. No one's ever done that. Before she was tied for three with 
Frank Sinatra, Paul Simon and Stevie Wonder. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Another big news, Miley Cyrus won Record of the Year for Flowers. She beat out Antihero, she beat out Vampire, she killed Bill, beat up Boy Genius. It was also Miley's first Grammy. I didn't know that. Kind of insane that she hasn't won a Grammy before. Her performance was insane. She is so good live. It was yeah. also really funny. She was, she was singing and she made like a quip just before the chorus being like, don't pretend you all don't know this song and like encourage everyone to start dancing and singing. It was so sassy. I loved it. She's got so much attitude. I'm, I'm, I've always loved her. Well, I actually thought her first, because she changed outfits three times. Mm-hmm. I thought the back two were the best, like the performance outfit and the second outfit. The hair was amazing. It was just incredible. Yeah, I think her red carpet look was not my least favorite. Mm. I think the red carpets in general at this year's Grammy were terrible. Absolutely we just roasted awful. Taylor Swift, but like awful. I don't think there were any stand up outfits yeah. this year. I don't remember being that amazed by any. One. Yeah. Uh, Victoria Monet won Best New Artist up against very stiff competition like I Spice and Fred again and Gracie Abrams and Noah Khan. And she also won Best R&B Artist. Mm. Billie Eilish took home the Song of the Year for What Was I Made For for the Barbie movie. Great. And Carol G made Grammy history by becoming the first female performer to win Best Musica Urbana album. And Fred again won Best Dance and Electronic Music Album, which was kind of a given. And then Best Pop Dance Recording went to our very own Kylie Minogue for Padam Padam. Fuck off. Padam Padam. Padam Padam. Have you listened to that song yet? Yeah, but only on people's stories and I cringe. It is cringe, but it's so funny. Yes. It's also her first Grammy in 20 years. I saw her reaction video. So fun. Really cute. Yeah. Really cute. Then, okay, so then the best rap song was Killer Mike featuring Andre 3000 and Aaron Allen Kane for their song Scientists and Engineers. However, the official Grammy socials then posted everywhere saying I Spice and Nicki Minaj won for Barbie Girl. Which was just incredibly confusing and awkward for me playing along at home. That's not even the craziest part post this win. So after the winner, Killer Mike, who had won other awards that night as well, like big night for him, after he accepted the award, he was uh, arrested backstage. What for? Footage from the event shows him being led out in handcuffs by police and the only thing we really know about it is that TMZ has reported that he was detained after allegedly getting into some kind of physical altercation with a security guard at the event. Lol. So random. And then who else won? Chris Stapleton won for Best Country for his song White Horse. I'm not a country girl. Country I, I like girl. Chris Stapleton a lot. See, I'm actually a loser, so I know that one. But the rest <laughs> I was really struggling to keep up I'm with. I'm getting better at country music. I'm getting around it more. And then in the performances, Stevie Wonder, John Baptiste and Annie Lennox performed during the tribute portion. The tribute's like more like reflecting on those who passed away in the, that year. And at the end of Annie's rendition of Nothing Compares to You by Sinead O'Connor, she used the last seconds to call for a ceasefire for Gaza, which is 100%, I think, what Sinead would have wanted. Absolutely. Brave of her to do it. Not a lot of... I don't think there's really been anything like that in the award season so far. Other performances, Joni Mitchell performed both sides now. Fuck Alan Rickman for buying that necklace for that fucking person in love, actually. And I actually cried watching the Joni Mitchell performance of it. (laughs) If anyone doesn't know, you would kind of recognise that song because it is the song that... Sorry, it's not Alan Rickman, obviously. He's playing the husband of Emma Thompson in Love, Actually. In the devastating scene. It's the love But I love that song so much. Like, I go and put that song on in my room and I'm like, give me five minutes to spar. Actually, give me 20 minutes to spar. I'm going to play it multiple times. So good. And then also, Tracy Chapman performed for the first time in 
ages with Luke Combs and they sung Fast Car. That would have been incredible to see live. That is one of my favourites. It's one of everyone's favourite songs of all time. And no, Luke Combs no. did a cover of it that was, it's on Spotify as I think one of their lives. And I actually tried not to listen to it because a lot of people complain that like someone like Luke Combs shouldn't be covering it. So to see them sing it together, I was like, oh, I feel like I can listen to this now as well <laughs> and enjoy it because they're both, like, his cover is very good. Yeah. Um, and they, it was a great performance. I watched it like three times last night. It was really good. And then in other news, Jay-Z used his acceptance speech at the Grammys on Monday to hit out at the Academy for never awarding Beyonce Album of the Year. She did lose last year. She did. Well, so during his acceptance speech, because he won the Global Impact Award and he went on stage with Blue Ivy, his daughter, and he... uh, I'm actually just going to play the video. We want y'all to get it right. We love y'all. We love y'all. We love y'all. We want y'all to get it right. At least get it close to right. And obviously it's subjective. Y'all don't got to clap at everything. Obviously it's, sub- <laughs> obviously it's subjective because, you know, it's music and it's opinion-based. But some things, you know, I don't want to embarrass this young lady, but she has more Grammys than everyone and never won album of the year. So even by your own metric, that doesn't work. Think about that. The most Grammys, never won album of the year. Some of you... Some of you going to go home tonight and feel like you've been robbed. Some of you may get robbed. <laughs> Some of you don't belong in the category. <laughs> no, when I get nervous, I tell the truth. I I mean, it's so like Kanye crawled so that Jay-Z could run. And the fact that he's arguing when Taylor Swift won Album of the Year is just such a funny full circle moment. Poetry. But look, Beyonce has been nominated for 88 Grammy Awards and she's won 33 of them in total. She's been nominated for Album of the Year six times. That is tough for six times to not actually take it out. And, And like, I do think... Beyonce is deserving of an Album of the Year award. Lemonade should have won because that is a masterpiece of an album. Absolutely. It's also not the first time the Grammys have been called out for snubbing Beyonce. Like back in 2017, do you remember Adele? When she won, she got up there and was like, Beyonce should have won and for Lemonade. And that was Lemonade, yes. Yeah. yeah. But yes, that is my still quite a sped up Grammys rap. I'm so excited that it was so entertaining this year. And I'm sure all of these will have follow-on stories. Very eventful. The woke agenda is added again as Sydney Boys Private School, Newington College, announced it will be transitioning to co-education. Oh, (laughs) I love my stories this week. Sometimes it gets very serious and I know this is still an interesting topic, but it's a bit funny, isn't it? It's just bizarre. It is bizarre. And I'm sure a lot of people are already across it, but this has been like a major story this week, not because of the announcement itself, but because of the response and protest of former students and parents and the online debate that has unfolded since about co-education versus single-sex schools and kind of like how our educational system operates, really. Mm. I want to start by playing the video because I think it's the crucial moment that everyone's seen go viral this week. And this is the parents of children and former students of Newington College who are outside Newington after the announcement has been made that they'll be transitioning to a co-education system. Yeah, and for those who don't, Newington is an eastern suburbs. I'll get to that afterwards, yeah. Okay, I, yeah. It's, it's basically in Sydney's inner west and it costs $42,000 a year at its at its highest rate and it's a 160-year-old institution yeah, in Sydney's inner west. So it's a Sydney elite private school for boys. Mm. Well, I'm an old boy of the school. 
and my son is also an old boy. And the intention was always that I'd have a grandson. <laughs> but I won't bring him to a co-ed school. It's all part of this sort of woke, toxic masculinity type palaver. And I know my grandson was rejected from going to, uh, to year three in a couple of years' time because they had uh, thoughts of young ladies. Uh, we are protesting against the school's decision to uh, uh, not notify the parents and gag the parents and the students from having a free voice to be heard about the school and the headmaster's decision to make the school co-ed. It wasn't as strong as I would have liked to have seen today. We have another meeting tonight that we're going to try and look at more at the legal side. So, as you just heard, that was quite emotional from the parents, the old boys. There was also a bit clips from like the current year 12s who losing were it. How opposed to it as well. Yeah. What's interesting is like from that video, no one actually articulated the problem. No one was actually able to articulate what the issue with the coeducational transition was. I found it hilarious when I first watched it because I was like, why is like I get it? But, like, why are we this emotional yeah. over it? I think there is this, like, especially with these private boy and girl schools, that they tend to be, like, generational that mm. you've gone through. And there's such a, there's such a, like, weird connection with them that's like, I'm going to send my kid there and have the exact same experience I did. And they feel like something's been stolen or taken from them or that there's... Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because the actual footage on that video clip shows, like, there's actually signage that the parents have created that says things like bringing girls in equals less diversity. Like, it's it's, it's, like it's genuinely what? ridiculous what they're saying. And have you seen that TikTok? There's one really funny. We'll have to put it in our story, but it's like... Rest in peace, Sigmund Freud. You would have loved the Newington Moms. It's so <laughs> funny. It's outrageous. But also, like, I think getting back to the story, and we will have a bit of a conversation about this because we also have different experiences. Personally, I went to a co-ed public school for year seven and eight in a low socioeconomic area in Sydney, in South Sydney, Southwest. And then I moved to rural, like, New South Wales. So I grew up in Orange for the rest of my high school. It co-educational again, but like a small Catholic school that wasn't expensive, but it was private. Mm. And then you went to a girl private school. Yeah. So we have very different experiences of this, none of them being um, all boys elite private schools, so we can't really no. speak to that. <laughs> no. Unfortunately, but... otherwise I would love to, but I think we'll have a few more thoughts on this. But this, you know, Newington isn't the only private school transitioning to co-education, especially in Sydney as well. Many schools in Melbourne have started making the transition, including girls' schools. Yeah. But among those in Sydney are Cranbrook, Barker College. And Cranbrook is like one of the main competitors sort of with Newington and they've only recently done that transition and seen it I think like I could be wrong on this but I think it's actually really improved like their facilities and like income yes and I think Newington's probably just looking at like looking at that model as more of a business model now. It, but that's the thing. They most of the reason the change is occurring is not because they actually want to transition to co-education, but because they want the revenue. Yeah. And so if that's necessary, then like it's interesting that it's a functional decision, and it's to ensure the school stays open because otherwise it would potentially have to close and reopen as a different co-educational institution anyway. Mm. So it's just ironic, but. 
let's just like have some perspective on this as well. Single sex schools only make up 3% of the more than, it's almost 10,000 schools that exist in Australia and 3% are single sex. So it's it's such a small minority. And I was also listening to the 7am podcast this morning, um, which interviewed Teachers Consent founder Chanel Contos. And I mean, I, I love how I said that she's my friend. So I'm also <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a bit, uh, the professional voice on. But one of the points that Chanel made during the episode was that there are multiple schools in Melbourne and City that are elite private boys institutions where we've had more prime ministers come out of one of those schools than we've ever had female prime ministers. Like Mm. there are two schools in this country that have produced three prime ministers and there's multiple that have produced two. And I think it's like a big discussion about the way that private schooling kind of a lot of the time these elite expensive institutions are a power funnel, but they also represent a really kind of a significant pillar for rape culture. You know, we've seen a lot, especially when Chanel actually started her petition for teaching consent education in Australia in 2021, she received over six and a half thousand disclosures of sexual assaults that had occurred and were alleged to be perpetrated by boys from these private schools. So I think there is a broader conversation to be had about the nature of co-ed versus single sex and what's better for each gender. It's pretty binary, the conversation. It's 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 pretty difficult, but there's actually no research to indicate that boys and girls fundamentally learn differently and no. that they need to be separated. No, we learn the same yeah. and we learn the same stuff. We all have the same syllabuses. I think it, it's, it's more the social aspect of it. Absolutely. And I think something that's interesting is it's start, some studies have shown that like girls – sometimes work better in single-sex schools, but boys, no. Yeah, it's it's actually that girls benefit from the safer environment of girls' schools, but that boys are actually benefiting from co-educational systems. Yeah. And I think that's what's interesting to me is I can't imagine having attended a girls' school and I feel like, I, I feel like there is a difference in socialisation because while I think that I'm really glad to have gone to a co-ed school and I would only send my kids to co-ed schools. I also understand the argument of wanting to send girls to girls-only institutions as well because it can be safer and more structured and focused because you aren't just not it's not distraction in terms of No, it's um, not in that way. It's not like it's a It's safety. It's safety. And I think that sums it up because I was looking back on it because I I went to a co-ed primary school, but then my high school was girls only. It was a very small year group as well. There was only about 80 of us in a year. I didn't mind it at all. I was joking about it before when I was thinking about like, why did I like that? But it was like, I went through some real awkward phases in high school. Like I was definitely not the hottest in like year eight and nine. Personality. You're going (laughs) like, that's why I'm funny. And, And then I was thinking like, God, I struggled enough in those times that like, if I had to be seated next to boys who were quite mean and I was going through like, you know, dealing with bad skin and stuff for the first time, that would have sucked. (laughs) Yeah. I understand. It's interesting because, like, I felt exactly the same about my schooling experience, but realistically all it did for me is ensure that I cared less about how I looked around boys because I was exposed to it every day anyway. Which is such a good point as well. But also I know I'm being unfair because, like, in school I never was kind of focused or obsessed with that I was an absolute nerd so I know that it is distracting for some and it's not a fair broad statement but I think what's interesting is like these institutions were started when 
people believed that it was better for boys not to be distracted. And a lot of the time, I think, with these sort of debates, it's interesting the difference between what Cranbrook's approach has been and what Newington's approach has been, because Cranbrook has been quite welcoming of it, all reports say, Mm. and when that change was announced. But I think for me, like, looking at this news story and looking at, you know, grown men crying over their future non-existent grandsons but not even being concerned for their future non-existent granddaughters and their unwillingness to have them seated together in a classroom is really interesting because I want to say to these people, please explain to me what it is because I think that if you put words to it, what it essentially is is I want my boys to have access to these networks of men, to these positions and, and sort of funnels of power and to resources that are directed at boys' success. But I just don't understand how this takes away from that either, But that's, really. that's exactly what I mean. It's interesting because it actually is fundamentally steeped in inequality and a belief that the existence and presence of girls undermines the school. And I think that people can't articulate that, but that's actually what's being said in all of this space and all of these tears. Yeah. I mean, I guess that it would have been jarring for these parents that clearly have a lot to self-reflect on but I wonder what was different with Cranbrook how that was received so differently too I wonder if it was just like communicated better here's the thing I also looked into this because I saw a few comments of people saying the parents should have been consulted Mm. I think it's just that they've actually confirmed the decision and a timeline for that decision Mm. and it's interesting like at a certain point Newington actually came out and said we're all mediated out after 48 hours of this coverage but it's fascinating the way that different schools have reacted differently and some are very welcoming the other thing I think is like I'm quite against fundamentally the idea of elite private schools and the fact that I hate that I'm asked what school I went to whenever I do anything in Sydney and Melbourne. Because it is sort of ridiculous even now, even at 26, people are like, oh, and what school did you go to? And that's how you can like piece someone in a puzzle. It's ridiculous that we still ask. But it's interesting because like I don't really operate in these circles and it kind of makes me really afraid. And I I feel very undermined in what I do a lot of the time when I'm having these conversations because I have been quite successful quite young and so... So everyone's always assuming, which school did you go to? And I think it's it's a question anyway in social circles. Like people make so huge judgment calls on who you are and your identity based on that. And I'm from Orange. Like I have nothing. <laughs> like I, you know what I mean? It's so interesting the way that so much is placed on your schooling and that public schooling and co-ed, life is co-ed. Like, oh, 100%. Like, I just... I am so far departed from this lifestyle that I... I look at that and it's it's another thing that's interesting is a lot of the comments were very mean about these parents in these videos. Mm. And I think is it is it not fair to to make fun of a grown man crying and actually showing some emotion? But I think it's more that it speaks to the pathetic nature of how so much of these people's lives is tied to the name that was it's on their emblem emblem thing. 30 years ago. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they transition over the next couple of years because it won't come in until 2026, so watch this space. Mm. Tech giants and music companies are again at odds over money and control, giving us an eerily quiet for you page and light reprieve from the cringe dance videos. So Universal Group, which is the biggest music label and is home to artists like Taylor Swift and Drake, BTS, Bad Bunny, Ariana Grande, Olivia Rodrigo, Billie Eilish, Justin Bieber, it goes on and on and on. And then like locally, they're Tame Impala, Missy Higgins, Matt Corby, Peach PRC. Huge. Mm. They've published an open letter to say that they have failed to reach a new licensing agreement with TikTok, which will now result in the removal of their entire catalogue from TikTok's music library. So the previous contract expired Jan 31st, and this open letter was 
pretty spicy, mm. to be honest. Pretty much said they were at the standstill due to TikTok's unwillingness to appropriately compensate artists and songwriters, protect human artists from the harmful effects of AI, and address online safety issues for TikTok's users. So you might have seen a few jokes or just like general confusion about this online. Have you seen these TikToks of yes. like people joking, making their own sounds to try yes. and like replicate the songs? But it seems especially wild when TikTok is such a key player when it comes to a song's success. Like even at the Grammys, we saw so many nominations because of just the wild popularity of tracks after going viral on TikTok. That you know the song Water? Mm. That won a Grammy. Really? Yeah. And it doesn't stop there. As Billboard explained, TikTok and Universal's prior licensing agreement covered both recorded music and published holdings. So when a company pulls that catalogue, it will pull any song any of the songwriters it represents contributes to as well. So that'll impact other labels and publishers in the next few weeks as well. But the letter was really interesting and I want to get into it more. And pretty much what it said was, TikTok's success as one of the world's largest social platforms has been built in large part on the music created by the artists and songwriters. Its senior executives proudly state publicly that music is at the heart of TikTok experience and our analysis confirms that majority of content on TikTok contains music more than any other major social platform. It continued to say that TikTok accounts for only 1% of Universal's revenue. Ultimately, TikTok is trying to build a music-based business without paying fair value for that music. It then went on to say that TikTok attempted to bully them into accepting a deal that was worth even less than the previous contract they had, which is absurd when you think about just like the growth of TikTok yeah. in the last, like since that last contract would have been made. It then got juicier to quote, how did they try and intimidate us by selectively removing the music of certain our developing artists while keeping on platform our audience driving global stars. So they tried to like hide away in the algorithm up and coming artists. That's really awful. Right? Yeah. If that, you know, if true. I think that's why TikTok can be so dangerous for the music industry because they do have such an effect on what is popular and they can do that. Yeah, but did TikTok respond? Yes. So TikTok within hours came back and said, it's sad and disappointing that Universal has put their own greed above the interests of their artists and songwriters. The fact they have chosen to walk away from the powerful support of a platform with well over a billion users that serves as a free promotional and discovery vehicle for their talent. Clearly, Universal's self-serving actions are not in the best interest of writers, artists, songwriters, and fans. So, what did Universal do? So then, Universal released another formal statement, this time to Billboard, that pretty much just saying that despite the magnitude of the platform, it's kind of crazy that they're still arguing that artists should still be grateful for free promotion. Yeah. And that's kind of a bit of a cop-out response and that they disagree that that would make music companies greedy for expecting their artists and songwriters to be compensated. Mm -hmm. But what do they mean by AI? Well, yeah, this was crazy because that was one of the main things in the original open letter, mm. which TikTok just did not respond to at all, that part of the letter. Like They just kind of just ignored that. But I guess it's the general concern across the internet right now. You know, all these social media platforms have an underbelly. How do we protect against that? And also, a good example of it, like in April last year, there was a song that was 
I don't know if you remember it, but it was featured like an AI-generated vocals of Drake and The Weeknd, and it went absolutely viral on TikTok. It was like this made-up song, and it was called Heart on My Sleeve, and it was credited to TikToker user called like Ghost Rider or something mm-hmm. like that. And the track made its way into streaming services and racked over like 600,000 Spotify streams before Universal had it pulled, issuing a statement condemning infringing content created with generative AI. Huh. It's really interesting. Right? So I just think Universal's clash with TikTok is really just the latest in what I think is going to be an ongoing tech giant versus music company battle. You know, we've seen it on Meta, we've seen it on YouTube, we've seen it on Spotify, we've seen it on TikTok. And as the New York Times explained it, we will always be pitting tech companies' innovations against the music industry's demand for control and compensation. And I think that kind of sums that up. Yeah. I just think it's what's interesting about this story is that it's very rare for them to have actually followed through on it. And it'll be interesting to see how long this standoff lasts. Because TikTok has been different. Yeah. Nine News Melbourne have come under fire last week after an image of Victorian MP Georgie Purcell was altered in their broadcast with enlarged breasts and a cropped midriff. So this was another story that was really viral last week when the youngest woman in Victorian Parliament, Georgie Purcell, who is a member of the Animal Justice Party, posted a set of two images side by side with the caption... I endured a lot yesterday, but having my body and outfit photoshopped by a media outlet was not on my bingo card. Note the enlarged boobs and outfit to be made more revealing. Can't imagine this happening to a male MP. What gives? And the images was one, the original image of her, which shows her in a white dress. It's a dress. And she's just standing in front of like, it looks like like a pond or a lake. And then it shows the Nine News broadcast on the evening news last week, basically where there's like, they've removed the background and you can tell that the, it's that photo, but it's been edited so she, you can see her stomach mm. and it looks like her breasts have been enlarged. And you know it's fake and it's been changed because she actually also said, like, I have tattoos on my stomach. Like, mm. that's not how I look sort of thing. So the images were clearly altered and basically she's called it out and it's gone viral on social media last Tuesday. It was shocking to give someone a midriff. Yeah. Especially given this particular MP's background. Yeah. She was a stripper prior mm-hmm. to entering parliament, but she also has a law degree and she has a double degree. So Yeah, absolutely. Like, but you can just see what they're trying to paint Absolutely, here. and she's constantly called out throughout her term already the consistent sexualization and objectification of female women in parliament. Mm. So this is just another layer to that. So what did Nine News respond with? So Hugh Nylon, who's the director of Nine News in Melbourne, apologised for what he said was a graphic error. Now, his statement basically argues that their graphics department sourced an online image of Georgie to use in this story on duck hunting. Now, he said, as is common practice, the image was resized to fit our specs. During that process, the automation by Photoshop created an image that was not consistent with the original. He basically argued that it was an AI error and also in the apology said that it the image did not meet the high editorial standards at nine. <sighs> now, this is where it gets complex. So he's basically saying they didn't do anything. It was an AI accident. Yes. But could, I don't believe that's – is that possible? It gets even better. So Guardian Australia then reported that Adobe, the creator of Photoshop, confirmed the incident could not have occurred without human (laughs) intervention. So in a statement they said, any changes to this image would have required human intervention and approval. This is so fascinating, right? And also, can I just say, like, even if Photoshop was capable of this sort of a change, 
it still had to be approved by someone before it was broadcast. Like, it's not like Photoshop sends it directly to broadcast. Like, that is yeah. a ridiculous, like, there's layers here that exist beyond that. Yeah. But I then read this really good post by Cam Wilson, who is the internet reporter for the independent news outlet Crikey, and he made a much broader point about this series of events, which I don't think people have been discussing. He basically outlined that obviously Nine is 100% responsible for this and, and what they post and that the explanation actually, like, while... A lot of people argued, a lot of people who use Photoshop, I read in lots of comment sections, argued that the midriff was possible but not the enlarged breasts. Mm. Cam Wilson actually made a better point, which is that he thinks it actually is believable and points to a much larger problem than just Nine News manipulation of a photo. He basically says that there's new AI features on Photoshop which have been introduced which kind of include the ability to like fill or expand an image. So he argues that it's possible that they got a more cropped image, say if it was just like her like up from her neck, say up. Yeah. And there's this feature that you can use where you basically like fill or expand the photo. And what AI does is it guesses what's the rest of the image. So it expands and fills the image to guess the background and the rest of the photo from. Yeah, I've seen and this. It's, yeah, yeah. So you, we've all used it. A lot of people who work with computers every day and work in graphics will have seen these features with these expansions. It's all over TikTok as well. Yeah. But that obviously, is built off AI training on the habits and routines of our world. But that also means it's built off the stereotypes, the assumptions, mm. the sexism and racism of these things. So what Cam sort of argues is that there's actually a much broader and more dangerous issue here where these tools are learning off a patriarchal world and it's possible that actually this expansion just shows the bias of AI. Wow. So it's actually quite an interesting argument that I don't think people are focusing on. Now, I still don't believe Nine. I still think that they've done this and then just tried to blame it on a machine. But I think, especially with what happened with the Taylor Swift story we covered last week on the deep fakes and the sort of power of AI and the spread that this is occurring at with sort of little regulation or monitoring, yeah. there's much broader dangers. I think despite what brought us here in this conversation, it does open the door for a wider conversation on this. About whose responsibility is, and I think it's both Adobe who have introduced this tech without mm. really much explanation or accountability, and Nine for lacking the ability to actually apologise and take ownership for what they've done. He might be a Hollywood heartthrob, but deep down he's still a private school Aussie boy punching on at the Clavelli Hotel. Fucking hell. <laughs> Jacob Elordi is involved in a police investigation here in Australia after allegedly assaulting a radio producer on Saturday. Classic, it involved Kyle and Jackie O. Always would. Okay, so as reported by the Daily Telegraph, Jacob was in a Sydney's Eastern Suburbs Hotel, the Clavelli Hotel, for those if you know, you know, when he was approached by Joshua Fox, who is a producer for Kyle and Jackie O. And according to the producer, Joshua, who then went on the show on Monday to retell what happened, he said that he asked Jacob if he could have some of his bath water for Jackie O for her birthday, which was a reference to Saltburn, the movie he's just done, where he like there's a scene where he drinks the bath water in a kind of creepy but sexy way. Mm. Um, it's not Jacob drinking the bath water, it's Jacob's bath water. Yes. Yeah. So Jacob then asked the producer to stop filming and delete the footage as the situation allegedly escalated. Now, what I understand from this is, like, he said no and the producer kept pushing and they got a bit heated and the cameras and, like, mics were rolling and he said, delete this. And the producer said, like, he refused and explained that he felt uncomfortable and that the film was his only evidence of this escalation. He then said, Jacob then just kind of flipped and kind of pushes me against the wall and his hands are on my throat. 
violence. In a statement to Variety, the New South Wales police said they are investigating the matter currently. They said officers attached to the Eastern... I can just imagine, I was like, of all shows... Oh, yeah. I bet he was being annoying, but that's never an excuse to be violent. No, and that's the thing. It's just so foreseeable that you go, you gave him what he wanted. Obviously, this is only... Just, just starting all coming out. Yep. So who knows? Mm. But we'll keep you updated. But crazy, especially in the height of him being so popular, so famous right now. He's just on SNL. He's in Australia because he's supposed to be host, like giving an award and receiving an award at, at the, the actors at the, the actors Coast, in the yeah. Gold Coast, which Margot Robbie's also here for. So we'll see if he goes to that now. I'd be interested. But Jacob, watch this space. Okay, we are now at the Q&A for this week. We will get better at actually answering the Q&As on Instagram. <laughs> really sorry about that. I think it was like the long weekend and then we were both out this Friday. But we're going to get back in routine with it and actually answer. But it is good because we can save some stuff for the podcast then too. But if you do have a question, please send it in at bigsmalltalk underscore pod. Thoughts, feelings, feedback, questions, all very welcome. Uh, this week we have a question from Deborah. And Deborah has asked how we can all talk about the Barbie snub and the Grammys when there is a genocide happening in Gaza. Mm. And I actually think this is a really interesting point of conversation because, yeah, it does feel weird to talk about stuff that is light and airy and celebrity and gossipy when there's some really serious stuff happening in the world. But I do also have thoughts that... Which is also kind of the crux of this podcast too. It's the light and shade and you're allowed to talk about both. And I think to anyone listening who – I think we could all agree that there is the most prominent issue happening in the world right now, which is that there's, you know, an attempted genocide occurring in Gaza. And we do cover that in depth most weeks. Yeah. And I think the interesting thing that I would always say to people is like in your 24 hours in a day, do you only focus – on Gaza. You have we have to all exist in the world. We have to all participate in a range of news and media mm-hmm. and conversations and ideas every single day. And I think the idea of it is that a lot of the time in order for us to not get burnt out and to continue to engage with important issues, we need to give space for all of the existing emotions. I was going to say there's a difference between ignoring the issue and recognizing the issue, discussing the issue with still acknowledging the rest of the world and other stuff that happens and being allowed to have that breather. Yeah. And I think it's also really important that, you know, I think the Barbie snub is absolutely nothing on the grand scale of the the world. We all know that. But what's really important is that there are a lot of people that don't know how to engage with complex issues around you know, historic, like historical events, wars, different political issues because they're very complex and people don't feel yet ready to engage. I think it's really important to give everyone an opportunity to learn through a range of topics. Yes. And the Barbie stub will introduce feminism to actually millions of women that can then create a pipeline to deeper and more complex discussions. And that's why I see it as important to discuss every topic as well. But thank you for writing that in. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really important feedback and it's a really important discussion. Yeah. Thank you for listening again this week. If you do have anything you want to ask or any thoughts, please send through on bigsmalltalk underscore pod. And if you could tap the bell or follow or leave a review or whatever it is, we would love that. But thank you. See you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday.